0: The Michigan Man Podcast, episode 211, Team One Thirty Five Saturday night scrimmage, the good and the bad. Coming up on today's show, Michigan great Greg Skrampanek and beat writer Nick Baumgardner from MLive are my guests. <sighs> this is the Michigan Man Podcast on GBMW Go Blue Michigan Wolverine for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Team 135 held a Saturday night scrimmage under the lights at the Big House. It was the first chance this season for over 25,000 fans to get a look at this year's Wolverines. What they saw was a defense flying around and forcing the action. What they also saw was an offense that eerily resembled last year's. We have to be reminded not to read too much into one practice, one snapshot of this offense. But we have to hope that things will soon start to come together for Coach Nussmeier and this very young unit. On today's Michigan Game Day segment, I'll be joined by Michigan great Greg Skrepinek as he shares his thoughts on this year's team. Then on a Michigan Game Day extra, Wolverine beat writer Nick Baumgartner from MLive will be our guest. Nick will share his thoughts on the Saturday night scrimmage and discuss his two deep on both sides of the ball. First, a look at some of our Wolverine news and notes for this week. Monday night, Coach Hoke announced that sophomore wide receiver Cassante York has been dismissed from the team. York punched a man outside an Ann Arbor bar in July, causing serious injuries. He will stand trial in Ann Arbor in September. After Saturday's scrimmage, Coach Brady Hoke said he was encouraged by the play of true freshman offensive tackle Mason Cole, but added he and the rest of the offensive line have to get better pretty fast. Coaches Hoke and Madison were very pleased with the defensive play on Saturday. The D looked confident, was aggressive, and was in complete control of the offense. Coach Hoke said that's not a big surprise this time of year because the defense should always be ahead of the offense, especially when a new system is being implemented by the offense. Michigan's Ty Isaac is practicing with the team, but waiting for an NCAA decision as to whether he will be eligible this year. The NCAA has given no time frame as to when they will render a decision. Saturday night scrimmage gave us hope that Coach Madison might finally have that Michigan defense he so much wants to build, a physical, fast, ball-hawking unit that flies around. At the same time, Saturday night also did nothing to alleviate fan fears that the offensive line is just not getting better. As we await the App State game, we have numerous questions and concerns about Team 135. On our Michigan Game Day segment, Wolverine and NFL great Greg Skrepanik weighs in with his thoughts and hopes for Team 135. That's next here on the Michigan Man Podcast on GBMW, Go Blue, Michigan Wolverine. on our Michigan Game Day segment today as we continue to preview Team 135 is Michigan great Greg Speppett. Great to have you back on the show talking Michigan football, Greg. Thanks, Mike, for having me. Well, as is always the case uh, with a new season, Greg comes uh, great expectations from Michigan fans, and I think most of us would say that's as it should be. But isn't it uh, a little bit odd, Greg? You know, you look at the early polls and the publications and Michigan not ranked with the best of the best in the top 25.
1: Well, it is. It is very different, and it is disappointing in a sense. But at the same time, I think it's good for the program that they have to earn their rankings now. I think sometimes when you said you know, said Michigan, that some people think that you know, they should be on top all the time, and they should, but it has to be earned. And it always was instilled in us when I was there, and I think the years before and even years after that, everything that we did had to be earned. And while the tradition was what it was, you still had to build on that tradition. I hear a lot of stuff today about, you know, it needs to be different. It needs to be um, changed a little bit. We need to catch up to the times. But the bottom line is our number one tradition is winning, and that has to be earned.
0: Well, Greg, Saturday night, the team had a live scrimmage in front of over 25,000 fans. Very nice turnout. And a very different practice atmosphere for Michigan. Did you like that idea?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's nice to get the, you know, the fans involved. And the fans have been disappointed for the last couple of years, and rightfully so. I mean, you know, we just haven't met the expectations, and it's been disappointing to, to watch our team play. I mean, the, I guess the greatest example of that would have been last year's Penn State game, a game that we should have very easily won, and it's almost as if we didn't want to win. And it seemed like all our problems were culminated in that one particular game. So, yeah, I think it's great, you know, to get the fans involved, they get the players involved in, in that atmosphere. I think it prepares them well for the games. But we're going to have to rely on like, a lot of freshmen this year. I think freshmen have to come to the forefront, you know, to really contribute to our team. That's the trend throughout college football, that freshmen are contributing now. And we really haven't had those freshmen contribute as much as, as we'd like to see. But, yeah, I like that idea.
0: Well, Greg, let's uh, talk a minute about the, uh, the position group that's uh, nearest and dearest to your heart, uh, that offensive line. Uh, and Schofield are in the NFL and we remember well, the struggles the offensive line had last year, even with them, even though this year's group is young and that's not an excuse. It's just a fact. Again, uh, they do hold the keys to the success for this offense. Don't they?
1: It's always up front. Absolutely. It's always going to be, uh, up front and that's the bottom line. And hopefully, uh, you know, this group, although they're young, there's experience there and the experience is up, is right in the center where you want to have it. So, um, you know we'll, we'll I hate this you know I hate to use, we don't hate, we hate to use ex, um, excuses at Michigan, and that young thing you know is, is important to a sense, but hey, listen, Schembecker always used to tell us, and I know I, you know I know there's an echo right there that we have to you know, change a little bit, and we have to do this. Schembecker always told us the next guy who comes in and takes over has to play better. And that's the mindset that Michigan has to have. And everyone wants to get away with for something like that. I understand the X's and O's and things might change and and the game's evolving. But what what, what the tradition has to call upon is the the character of our tradition, is the the, the foundation of our our system, of our tradition. And that foundation says, listen, I don't care what the circumstances are. I don't care how hard it is. I don't care if it's good, bad, or indifferent. We will go in there, we will play our hardest, and we will have a mindset, a mindset that we will be better than the guy that played before us. And that's what the Michigan offensive line has to do. They have to have a positive mindset and a mindset that says we're going to get the job done.
0: Well, Greg, if the line play improves, and we expect it to, everything else will too. We know that. And there are plenty of weapons at the skilled positions. And you start with quarterback Devin Gardner. What are the areas, in your opinion, Devin has to improve in to be the leader under center that Michigan needs to be consistent?
1: Well, I think he just has to understand the defense. He has to, I think the hardest thing for any quarterback, uh, especially a guy who drops back and throws the ball, is reading coverage. And so he just has to understand coverage, but, and he also has to understand where his players are. And the age old adage is, is for a quarterback, and any offense and really, is to take what they give you. We've had the big playability now for the last couple of years, and we did. We have had big plays even going back to the previous coach. But, you know, you've got to take what they give you consistently. It's not bad to take a five-yard you know, gain. It's not bad to take a seven, eight-yard gain. You don't always have to go for the home run. So take what the defense gives. you be able to read that coverage. You know, instill some confidence in your offensive line, and everything will work out. I'm really expecting a big year for Daniel Gardner. I really am. I like them. Ever since he started uh, late in the season a couple of years ago, I know he had his struggles last year, but he did have uh, he did show signs of brilliance. It really was unfair to him to get all the criticism that he has because he changed positions and he was on his way to becoming one of our better receivers. So, I mean, I really love the guy. I love the way I love what he brings. I think he's prototypical quarterback you know, with all the skill set that he has for the, for NFL and what he gives. But he just has to relax understand what the defense is trying to do to them, and then take what they give
0: them. Well, Greg Brady said last week, Devin, has to realize he doesn't have to do it all for the offense to be effective. For the first time in a few years, there's really a nice stable of running backs, albeit unproven, uh, for him to hand off to. Getting that running game going and finding a couple of, you know, stud go-to backs has to be the emphasis this season, doesn't it?
1: There's no doubt. There has to be balance. There has to be uh, it, it, put this way, Mike. If you're playing defense and you know the only person that you have to stop is the quarterback, it makes it easier on you. But now, if you know that Michigan has the you know the, the wide receivers, they have a stud tight end, they have running backs that are more in you know more Michigan style running backs, now you have to you know change your mindset defensively. Now you just don't know where it's going to come. So if we have that balance between the running and the passing game, mixing it up here and there. He's going to Devin's going to definitely benefit from that, and so uh, the neat thing is that Hulk has said that you know this year he's, he has competition at every position, so that's going to keep everybody sharp. Competition is the greatest tool you know, a coach could have because it keeps everybody on top on, their, on top of their game, and that's what you want. And that's great to hear. But now you got to perform too. Now you got to take it to the next level. So if they can keep that balance offensively and keep defenses guessing then, you know, Devin's going to have a
0: great year. No, oh, absolutely. I think we all hope for that. And uh, if we can get that running game going, plenty of targets to throw to. You look at these wide receivers, Funches, Darbo, Jehu Chesson, Norfleet, and then this uh, freshman Freddie Canteen in the slot who we're all waiting to see. And then Jake Butt, uh, tight end when he comes back. That's supposed to be early in the Big Ten season. These guys have so much potential, but they have to step up early, don't they?
1: Well, absolutely. They just, you know, they just got to step up. I mean, you know, and you never know. The nice thing, and I'm going to go to the basketball analogy here because it's just so obvious. If you watched the, you know, the NBA finals this year and you saw the way the San Antonio Spurs played, you mm-hmm. never knew what game, who was going to have a big game in in any different game. That's the beauty of it. That's how it has to be transferred in, in football terms. That's what Michigan football is. should be. You never know who's going to have a big game because that's the kind of potential they have. And if they they run the offense the way they should by, giving it, by balancing and giving it to the guys who are hot and such, you just never know who should have a big game. And that's the kind of potential the Michigan offense has. And that's what we want to have. We want to have a 100-yard running back one game. We want to have a receiver that has a big day. We want to have the quarterback who's a we want to have a fullback that could mix it. Up. We want to have all those weapons, so that defense never knows where it's going to come from, and that's what Michigan has always been. And when I played, you could probably put three or four running backs in the backfield, and you know what? You could probably have on any given day a hundred-yard back and all in that whole crew. You could always have a receiver that would have a hundred-yard game or a big game, three, four, five guys, and even now, now again, what a tight end wasn't as as, uh, as a. It was more of a blocking position back then. We still would have tight ends that would be able to catch the ball and keep defenses off balance. Well, Michigan is from the skill side of it now has that where they could go to receivers. The tight end, they have a fullback, they have the running back, and they have more than a capable quarterback. So we'll see what happens. But uh, that's, the, that's the nice thing about all this talent. Now, bottom line, though, is you know, during game day, you got to come to play and you got to shine. You know, Performance is what it's all about
0: with us on our Michigan game day segment as we continue our previews of team 135 Michigan great Greg Skrepanek. Greg we all know about new offensive coordinator Doug Nussmeyer's success at Bama and the other stops along the way he's had do you expect his impact to be felt immediately or will it take some time for him to you know put his stamp on this offense
1: Well it's always going to take a little time because he needs time to, you know to get to know everybody but no I expect his impact to be immediate. immediate. And the greatest thing that he brings is a culture of winning. And that's kind of a shame to say when you're, going, when you're playing at Michigan. Michigan's tradition, like I said before, the number one tradition is winning. But you know, the, for the last couple of years, we've been down a little bit. But he brings a culture of winning. He knows what, what Alabama did every day to, to prepare them to, to win and to, to be involved in national championships year in and year out. So that culture, I expect to I see that impact immediately. And so that should should really uh, be his number one contribution this year. But at the same time, if you watched Alabama's uh, um, offense, you see that they were more of a ball controlled offense. They had you know the big offensive line, but when they needed to, they had the skill to go up top. I think we probably have some better skill, and in, in many ways, I think from a talent perspective, I think our quarterback is better than theirs. Although. Um, Nick Aaron, and in the past, their quarterback was just efficient. He didn't make mistakes. He understood exactly what he needed to do in that offense. But I think from a skill set, you know, Michigan has as good a skill as they could get. Now, up front, we got to make sure uh, we clean it up and get things done. But, you know, I do expect the impact to be immediate. And it should be immediate in attitude.
0: Well, we haven't played a snap yet, Greg. We're just a couple of weeks away from the uh, the App State game. But we're hearing good things for what this is worth about the defense it looks like the D, at least early, is going to be expected to carry this team. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Absolutely. I think the defense is uh, the talent they have and the experience they have on that side of the ball. Um, they need to be the leaders of this team, and, and you always hear you know the saying and you know offense wins games, defense wins championships. In many ways, it's true. And you know the struggles that we had prior to Brady Hope, you could all point to the defense because our defense was so porous. And uh, we gave up so many points, and you see the impact of that. We could score 100 points, but we gave up 101. And so it's it's very important that that defense, especially early, be the leaders of the team because defenses generally have the advantage early on in the season uh, because the timing on the offense is just getting there. People are just getting a continuity together and working together and getting to learn everything. So the defense should have the edge early. And because this group is, is so talented, I would expect that, they actually be the leaders of this team. And then the offense will gradually catch up. And who knows, you know, coming into the season, you never know. Um, it could explode early, but still that defense needs to be playing at a high level.
0: Well, you know, on the defense, Greg, the uh, Coach Hoke moved uh, his coaching staff to different position groups in the off season. Not too many player moves as far as switching positions, but the one that we really took note of was Jake Ryan moving to that Mike linebacker spot. Do you like that move?
1: Absolutely. Jake Ryan, he's a stud player. I mean, he is a good player. And you you put your best players in, in in the positions you need them at. And, you know, that that Mike Linebacker, you really don't get many more important positions on the defense than that one. And, um, you yeah, I expect big things from Jake Ryan, as well as I do from you know, everyone else. You know, Frank Clark has been there a while. And, you know, uh, you have other guys that, uh, you know, that have that experience. But Jake Ryan especially, that. He, He's, he's maybe not. Maybe he lacks a little bit of size for that position, but he's an athlete. He can move. He's tough, um, and so yeah, he, he's kind of reminds me of a, a linebacker that we had, an Eric Anderson, that uh, was undersized but would end up becoming um, uh, you know, one of Michigan's all-time leading uh, tacklers, and he led the team, and he won, I believe, the uh, was it the Jim, not the Jim, but the linebacker award that year. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was All-American, and, and, you know, he had a great career. He was my co-captain. And so, yeah, he kind of reminds me of that type of player, and and I think it's a good move for not only the team but for Jake Larian as well.
0: You know, another kid on the, uh, the defensive side we're hearing an awful lot about, especially after Saturday night's uh, scrimmage, is uh, freshman Jabril Peppers, who sounds like, sounds like he's going to be one of the starting corners and maybe move over to Nickelback some of the time. A lot of pressure on this kid, but he at least sounds like He's the kind of kid that can step in and play right away.
1: Well, when's the last time we had this much talk about a freshman? I mean, when's the last time you really had this much, you know, a positive uh, you know, feeling about a freshman? And this is great to see. I mean, because you look around the country, most of the teams, the teams that are competing, are always getting major contributions from the young players. It's just the way the game has evolved. 50, 60 years ago, freshmen didn't even play, you know, freshmen, you know, weren't even allowed to play. And as, as the time has gone on, I think they will, there's more of a development that you would see, you know, freshmen be there for more than more five years. You know, they'd be there the whole five years, they'd get registered for five years. And this day and age, the game has evolved to where freshmen need to play immediately, just the way the game is today. And it's great to see that we have some freshmen, you know, to do that, and, and especially uh, at the corner position at, at the Jabril Peppers. I mean, I've heard about him all summer. I've watched him, you know, won the high school all-star games and stuff like that, and uh, it's great to see that he's coming to the forefront. Because of course, you know, Michigan could be intimidating. It's a big place. Uh, <laughs> it's it's the program. You know, I could argue easily that's the best college football program tradition in, in in the country, in the world. And you go on campus, you see the you know the big house, all the buildings, you know, getting ready for school. So that could be an intimidating thing in itself. But it's it's great to see. That a freshman's coming in and embracing what Michigan has to offer and saying, okay, I'm going to go out there and do the best I can, and then you know what, being in the position he is is great. And so I, And then I expect that not only he, but you know some of the other freshmen in the class to come to the forefront and, and you know play some ball and contribute. So, but for him, he's an exciting player, and I can't wait to see him play. I really can't. I can't wait to see him strap it up when, the, when game time starts.
0: Well, Greg, when you listen to Coach Madison talk, it sounds like he thinks this defense will be closer to that Michigan kind of defense he envisioned when he took the job, and he talked about that. There seems to uh, finally be a nice blend of experience and youthful talent uh, coming together on that side of the ball, doesn't there?
1: Well, yeah. I remember last year, and especially was watching the Big Ten Network, uh, even they were saying that the defense, especially up front, they thought they had a defensive line crew that could you know, rotate in and out and, and um, do some things and, and really make some noise. And unfortunately, in my opinion, I just don't think we, we were able to pressure the quarterback enough during you know games, especially the big games. So this the group up front, it starts up front offensively, and again, it starts up front defensively. So we need to be able to you know put pressure on the quarterback. And yeah, I mean, Frank Clark could be a, a player that just is a dominant player, but he has to be consistent. And, and and you know the other guys absolutely um, need to come to the forefront. And Jake Ryan, I think, will be a great leader. You you got guys that have you know great experience, um, Ross and, and and some of the other guys that have played. So uh, yeah, I mean, defense. It's great to see that Coach Madison recognizes that. But I do remember last year too that they are, mm-hmm. you know, I'm proud especially that he was excited about that. But if Madison does say. Yeah, he thinks it's more of the mold of, of, of in Michigan defense. He's been there before. He's had great defenses before. Uh, you know that's, that should make the Michigan contingent very happy.
0: Well, Greg, a final question for you. Uh, despite the fact uh, the three biggest games this season are on the road in South Bend, and he's Lansing for a second year in a row, and then of course down in Columbus. And this is not to say that the home schedule is a walk in the park for this team, but I think it's safe to say this team just cannot afford another seven and six or even. An eight and four season? Can they?
1: No, you know you hate to say it, but Coach Hope knows it. I mean, he's—I guess you know—he's on the hot seat, and um, the Michigan needs to win. Now, like I said before, Mike, the Michigan's number one tradition is winning, and and that's the bottom line. And I, you know, our athletic director, I think, he's a little bit on the hot seat. You just can't have the Brad Michigan has and expect you know to have seven-seven seasons, eight-seven seasons. And we need to, yeah, I think. Maybe we got spoiled a little bit early with Hope when we he went eleven two in his first season. We won the Sugar Bowl, and every you know that's expected every year at Michigan, and as rightfully so, it should be. That's what Michigan is, and as long as we're doing it the right way and we're and we're doing it with integrity and we're doing it, we're working hard and stuff, we should be competing. You know, in those types of games, and so uh, the last couple of years have been. Um, disappointing to say the least, but there's there's no more disappointing for the fans than they are for, for Brady Hoke and his coaching staff. They they're disappointed just as much as anybody else. But I do know Coach Hoke is definitely a Michigan guy. He you know he bleeds he bleeds maize and blue like anyone else who's been through that program. He's excited about it. I, I still believe and I have the utmost confidence in him that he could get the job done. And you know what? I'm not so disappointed that the games, you know, the big games are on the road this year. And although we've had just our struggles in the past when we're playing on the road, you know it doesn't bother me. You know that that's the ultimate—I guess the ultimate—the ultimate, uh, uh, the ultimate uh, challenge for a player, and it's the one that should be really embraced. Is when you go on the road, you beat a team at their home stadium and you silence their fans. It's only you know sixty, sixty-five, seventy guys against you know a hundred thousand, and that is, is Beckler used to always. Uh, you know is to tell us that point point. there's no better way to go into a stadium no greater accomplishment no greater challenge that you go in there and you silence the crowd and you you beat the team uh, on their on, the, on their home turf and the fact that it's notre dame the fact that it's states man that makes it even even uh even greater i mean even better i mean it's a little bit of a challenge absolutely but that's what michigan wants we don't Michigan always have prided itself on beating the best teams out there. And so guess what? We're going to get our shot to beat the best teams out there. And right, like you said, the whole, we can't take for granted the home games, but those away games are pretty big games. And so, hey, we'll see what happens, Mike. You know what? It's the start of a new season. We're, we have great expectations, but we're very optimistic right now. And as always, I really think these guys will respond uh, in a positive way. I expect some big seasons from uh, the younger players, Gardner, uh, from uh, you know Funches on the offensive side of the ball, you know Frank Clark and 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 Ryan on the defensive side of the ball. There's some freshmen to really make their names. I mean, Peppers has really done you know well so far. So we'll see what happens with them and the other young guys. So it's exciting time of the year for us, and and I expect really some good things. I mean, can we go undefeated? Hey, who knows? I mean, I I'm a believer. I'm always believing that we can and so uh, i look forward to it it's it's, it's it's
0: exciting well i think fans of the michigan diehards are, are hoping the same thing you do greg that this is a, a a big bounce back year it's a it's a tough schedule but as you said this is michigan we expect uh it to be tough and it's time to win so it's going to be a lot of fun this season and of course along the way we are going to get you back in the show and by the way folks our guest today as you know on our michigan game day segment has been Michigan great Greg Skrepanek. Greg, as always, thanks for taking uh, some of your valuable time to join us. And once the season gets underway in just a, a little more than a week and a half, we'll get you back on and uh, hopefully be talking about some Michigan victories. Sounds
1: yeah, good, Mike, and uh, thanks for having me on. And, and uh, you, know, you know, tell all the listeners out there that, hey, listen, stay positive. If the good things are going to happen, we'll get this thing turned right back in the right direction. And, uh, and uh, you know, hey, we're all Michigan out there, and, and go
0: blue. Coming up next, a Michigan Game Day Extra. We'll be joined by Wolverine beat writer Nick Baumgartner from MLive. Here on the Michigan Man podcast on GBMW Go Blue, Michigan Wolverine. With us on our Michigan Game Day segment this week as we continue our previews of Team 135, Michigan beat writer Nick Baumgardner from MLive. It's been a long time, Nick. Great to have you back.
2: Good to be back with you, Mike.
0: Well, we're just, uh, you know, a little bit more than a week and a half away from the App State game. Saturday night was the big under-the-lights scrimmage. Mm -hmm. How did you think all that went down?
2: Well, um, I guess it depends. As usual with these scrimmages, it depends on what side you want to believe is more, you know, what's good or what's bad, or glass half full or glass half empty. Um, you know, I guess glass half full would be that the defense looked very, very good. Uh, and I think, you know, we'll get, I can get to the offense in a second, but I think the defense, uh, regardless of what your opinions were of how the offense played, I think the defense, to me anyway, showed uh, and looked like a defense that was uh, more organized, more confident, certainly more aggressive as we expected, but, you know, they they flew to the football, uh, they hit, uh, you could tell it was a group that played with a lot of experience, and even some of the younger guys who played, uh, you know, Jabril Peppers uh, was with the starters as a cornerback uh, alongside Jordan Lewis, and those two guys looked like they knew what they were doing and, and had no problems, uh, from what I could gather, of being overwhelmed or out of place or what have you, they looked like kind of natural fits. So, the defense looked, <clears throat> to me, extremely good. And uh, you know, it, it, I left Michigan Stadium Saturday night uh, buying on Michigan's defense more than I was more than I was before I got to the stadium tonight. So I think that's a positive for them uh, going forward. Now, if you flip it to the other side, uh, the offense really looked bad, uh, especially up front. The offensive line, uh, whether it was the first unit or the second unit, uh, couldn't move anybody. Uh, you know, there, there was no pressure. Uh, I'm sorry, there was no push. Uh, it was all pressure. There was tackles for loss. Uh, I believe uh, one of the uh, writers for the Michigan Daily stated the uh, uh, the first team offense had 20 carries for 33 yards. So uh, that's not good. That's that's more of the same, really, from what we saw in the spring at the end of last year. So um, maybe you look at it and say that Michigan's defense is terrific, and, and that's because they couldn't do anything, but maybe you look at it and say the offensive line still has a long way to go. Uh, I think it's probably somewhere in the middle. Which uh, is part good, part bad. So that's where they're at right now.
0: Well, and after the uh, the scrimmage, Coach Brady Hoke also uh, mentioned uh, he was not happy with the vision of the running backs. Right. Uh, and, and as you mentioned uh, uh, yesterday on MLive, it's you know that that's partly true. It's tough if the cracks aren't there.
2: Yeah, it is partly true. I think a lot of that. You know, Hoke has said this before. And I think a lot of times that's him trying to uh, you know sort of, not hide the offensive line, but sort of, you know, maybe cover for him a little bit, because there are instances in every game where, especially with young backs, and I remember a few that that stood out to me, you know, where Davion Smith or someone would hit a hole, uh, and he wouldn't hit it full speed, he wouldn't hit it, you know, maybe the way he should have, maybe he could have gotten five yards instead of three, but that's what we're talking about here, five yards instead of three, there were no gaps, there were no you know, large creases. If there was a hole, it was a, it was a tiny crack and the guy had to, you know, fight to find it at all. Uh, you know, these guys were just, they were getting hit when they were handed the ball. Uh, they were getting hit by two or three guys a minute. They got to the line of scrimmage, uh, or they were getting dropped in the backfield. And it was everything they could do, uh, in my, from what I could see to get out of the backfield, to get forward and, and make it so Michigan wasn't sitting in a second and 12 or, you know, something like that. So, to me, it was still more of the same. Where your defensive line, or you know, the defensive line, was getting so much pressure. Uh, again, right up the middle between the tackles. Uh, any any uh, blitzes in those eight gaps found their way through. Uh, any blitz, really anywhere, found its way through more often than not. So the offensive line and to their you know in their defense a little bit here. <clears throat> it sounded like Michigan hadn't settled on a front five uh, until last week. So that was probably the first full week they had those guys had been together. I think they're still jelling and still kind of growing together as one so the communication you'd would think would come in time uh but it's going to have to happen pretty quick here so they've got two weeks and they've got to figure it out but um you know i, I don't know i mean it looks really rough there on saturdays not to say they can't get much better in two weeks but uh, they've got a long way to go
0: as we know if we've watched this long enough it's, it's really really tough to take uh, much from a snapshot i mean you'd like mm-hmm. to see more movement no question on that offensive line but uh it's awful tough to come away from that scrimmage. I mean, you would have liked to have come away and said, "Hey, we were, we blew some people off of the ball some of the time," but this doesn't do anything to alleviate Michigan fans' fears that this is déjà vu.
2: No, but it, and it's also to your point. Like, it's also it's a one you know a one off scrimmage. It's two hours in where you know Michigan didn't really do much uh, offensively, out with its passing game or anything else. I mean, Doug Nussmeier was playing it pretty vanilla, and it was clear to me that, Michigan ran into that day as a coaching staff saying, okay, Greg Madison and the defense, throw everything you have at this offensive line, and we're going to spend most of these two hours trying to run the football. Uh, and that's for the first team. That's what they did. And, and Devin Gardner didn't really do a whole lot um, you know, uh, through the year. They did some vertical shots. And Shane Morris looked good, too, uh, during his time there with a few chances he got. But for the most part, this was a scrimmage where they were trying to run the football. They were trying to work on that. They were trying to test their offensive line. They were trying to see where they were. And, uh, you know, when I said, you know, the defense blitzed. I mean, they blitzed from all corners of everywhere. They just took no pity on <laughs> anybody. So it was a true mm-hmm. practice where they were trying to get some things accomplished. So it's hard to just totally gauge complete panic from, uh, you know, a one-off scrimmage setting like that where everything's controlled and everything's done for a reason. But to your point as well, it's also tough uh, to keep any kind of, you know, new optimism that maybe this offensive line has turned a corner because it really didn't look like they had. And it looks like they're still a ways off from that.
0: All right. Well, we have to wait uh, another week and a half to see about that offensive unit, maybe even longer. But on the defensive side, uh, very impressive performance. And we thought it would be from this defense. And, you know, Nick, when you listen to Coach Madison and and have gotten used to the way he talks, uh, you've been around him for the last three years now. There just seems to be a vibe coming from him when he uh, meets with you guys, talks to the media, that he is very confident that he has more of the pieces than he's ever had to play the kind of defense he wants to.
2: Yeah, and he's, he's been more demanding with these guys. Uh, and I think, you know, Brady Hokes mentioned it after the game that the defense is ahead of the offense, and it should be because they're they're so, you know, so aged. There's less, so many veterans and so many guys who played a lot of football. And uh, Greg Madison knows that as well, and he understands that, and, and the way he's talked and that, you know, he's challenged these guys uh, in part because he thinks they can be a very good defense because they are experienced, because they, they have had success, some of them in the past. And, and that last year wasn't good enough. I mean, that's, that's the biggest part of it, too. But more than that, I think everyone on that staff understands that that offense is going to need a little bit of time to kind of get its bearings about it and, you know, sort of adjust in the early stages here under Doug Nussmeier. And I think Greg Madison, in turn, has put as much pressure as he can on these guys to say, you know, we have to be the ones who keep us in games. Um, if the offense is struggling, we have to pick them up. We cannot, you know, we we have to keep us, you know, us going forward in the game. I mean, you always want to do that anyway. But I think the, the the urgency there has been pushed a little higher, and more pressure and more has been put on that defense's plate, and that's not a bad thing because I think, I think for the most part, I think this group can handle it. I I wasn't, uh, I wasn't on board with thrashing this defense as hard as some people did last year. I think that if you look back at the numbers. Um, this group is pretty good through 10 games and that was with being put in just awful, awful spots by their offense every single week. And I think the defense fell apart and kind of wore out and, you know, collapsed there at the end of the year and the numbers got skewed. But I think this defense had a better run of it uh, than people gave it credit for, uh, because of that and because of the, the, uh, the new, you know, adaption, adaptations and scheme, uh, the more aggressive play, uh, and kind of some infusion of some, uh, some speed and athleticism in the defensive backfield from Treville Peppers, who looks uh, looks like a player. Uh, I think this defense can take a step forward and be, you know, sort of like it was uh, toward the end of 2011, where it was really doing some things uh, and was a top 10 unit. So I think that uh, I think they can get back to that. I think that that's uh, they're going to need to get back to that. Uh, but the good thing is, I think that it can happen. So we'll have to watch and see how that goes going forward.
0: Well, Nick, uh, one of the things fans were looking forward to coming out of, or as an aftermath of the uh, scrimmage, was maybe a, a good idea of a two deep uh, mm-hmm. for this team. As you mentioned, uh, Michigan's official two deep won't come out until game week, but you had uh, your observations and your two deep in uh, MLive yesterday. So let's just uh, quickly review that, if we could, and start at quarterback. Uh, pretty obvious the. Uh, the pecking order at quarterback isn't. Yep. Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. Devin Gardner took all the snaps with the ones, uh, and Morris took all the snaps with the twos. And then, then I guess if there was a surprise at all, it would have been that uh, Russell Bellamy uh, was ahead of the state uh, at number three, which that's not really a surprise, I guess, because that pretty much probably solidifies the fact that will red shirt, and uh, that's that's probably a good
0: thing. And at the uh, the running back, uh, still a competition. Last week, we heard that Drake uh, Johnson was um, possibly the number one running back, or had a slight edge. And then there was uh, Derek Green, and then Devion Smith. But Derek Green came out and took uh, most of the handoffs with the first group, didn't he?
2: Yeah, and he was the clear cut guy there uh, on Saturday night. And that's you know, it, it's it's a complete flip from what Hoke had said the week earlier. And that maybe makes me wonder if that wasn't a motivation ploy. Uh, for Derek Green, because as it's, it's hard as Drake Johnson runs, uh, and as it, hard as he plays, he is no in no way as physically gifted as Derek Green and Davion Smith, and I think that he, he can be an asset to this team, uh, and I think he probably will be. I think he can. He, he's maybe a little bit better of a pass blocker, but those Davian Smith and Derek Green are are, are the better backs, or they have more talent. And if Michigan's going to do anything this season on the ground, uh, they're going to be the guys that have to do it for him. I think Hope knows that and understands that, and I think he sort of put the fire under green the way he wanted to because it sounded like he was pretty pleased with his progress uh, going into the last week of camp here.
0: Well, and it sounds like another thing that Coach Hoke is happy about is he has his uh, four backs. He said they all bring something different yep. to the table. They all have their strong points. And it sounds like uh, you wouldn't be surprised if you see all of them getting some use, at least early.
2: Yeah, I think yeah, I think at some point early in the season, and we'll see Notre Dame will be the big, the big interesting one for me, but all the other games I think you'll see all those guys, and even Justice Hayes a little bit, uh, get some run I think that but I do think you're going to have to establish David, or Derek Green and David Smith more more so early if those, if those in fact are your two top guys those are the guys who are going to have to you know get used to getting heavy carries and get used to being on the field and, and being put in positions where they're going to have to pass block too and they're going to have to pick up blitzes and those types of things so um, you know it looks like those two guys have sort of pulled away a little bit uh, and and we said that earlier in the week about you know Drake Johnson was right there too but this is you know you got to keep in mind this, this will be the last week of camp so the, the camp will wrap up Wednesday uh, and they'll start prepping for game week. So they're going to have a real roster and a real two-deep. They're going to have theirs done here by midway this week and then uh, announce it, obviously, game week. But once they have that two-deep set, you got to start getting those guys those reps they need. So... I think less and less reps will happen for a Drake Johnson, maybe if he sticks there at that three, but I do think he'll get some run in the games, especially early in the season.
0: And at the uh, the fullback position, uh, is a Carriage the clear-cut leader there over uh, Sion Homa?
2: Yeah, I don't know about that. I think both those guys got got, uh, got play. Um, Michigan didn't use the fullback. Uh, they, they used it some, but I think those guys will also play a little bit of H-back uh, with Wyatt Schulman, who's an H-back. Khalid Hill's an H-back. So... Um, it's still kind of up near on how much they're going to use that fullback. I don't know. Really, Al just used it uh, more toward the end of the year last year than at the beginning, but um, they used it some, not a lot. There was a lot of double tight situations, and sometimes I believe there was even three tight end sets if you want to count one of them as an H-back. So the fullback, I'm not, uh, kind of the jury's still out on how much they're going to use that. Uh, in this offense but I think both those guys actually Huma and Carriage are both probably about the same I think they're probably interchangeable really and I think they both will probably rotate uh, going forward it looks like they both got a lot of reps with the ones and the twos so I think that's kind of a toss-up
0: and at the uh, wide receiver spot of course you know Devin Funches Mm -hmm. is going to be out there Uh, Chesson and Darbo got a lot of time uh, with the first unit on Saturday and in the slots uh norfleet was running with the starters most of the time a lot of competition there
2: yeah absolutely i think that's certainly a good thing and i think michigan was able to get what they wanted or needed uh out of that in the fall in that amara darbo came back and played like he looked like you know he was going to play last year before he gets hurt and he came back and responded from the foot injury i think had a really good camp or has had a good camp uh by all accounts and Chesson has also uh put himself right in in the mix too when they ended spring with Freddie Cantine as the starter opposite Funchess, I thought that was sort of a cause for concern. Uh, I didn't think you could go into a regular season with a true freshman was is six foot, one hundred seventy-five pounds, uh, who would never played at this level physically and everything else as your number two receiver. I think Cantine can play, and I think he will play, and he'll serve a role on this team. But I think it's better served as a slot, and Michigan's better served having a bigger-bodied guy like Darbo, six foot two, six foot three, uh, you know, two hundred fifteen pounds, opposite Funchess. Uh, to sort of take in, you know, and Darbo can actually run as well, so I think that that's, that's what they wanted to get out of this, that's what they did get, I think Darbo and Chessman, who's also there as well, earned it, uh, and then the surprise to me, if any, was that Northfleet uh was actually ahead of uh, Canteen by team uh, by quite a bit, it looked like there in the slot, and it looks like if you had to, to run out of, you know, a, a three-set receiver group with a guy in the slot, Norfleet would be the guy, so... Um, it would be interesting to see, you know, they didn't really throw to him much. I think he, I remember him having one, maybe two catches. But it will be interesting to see how he adjusts to that. He really hasn't gotten a chance to do much of anything uh, offensively during his uh, early two years, other, other than gimmick stuff uh, under Al Borges. So it will be interesting to see uh, what what they do with North Fleet and if they uh, make him part of, the, uh, part of the attack and if he can take advantage of it.
0: And at the tight end spot, uh, Nick, uh, pretty much it's A.J. Williams at the top, would you say?
2: Yeah, Williams is there and, you know, and Keith Heisman as well. Um, I think both those guys play. the uh, Heitzman might actually have better hand than <laughs> H. Williams, which is I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But uh, Heitzman had a nice catch over the middle at one point. I remember early in the scrimmage, but both those guys played a lot together uh, on the field with the with the first team. They did a lot of double tight stuff early in that scrimmage. Uh, most of the most of it was run based, you know, what run based package to get the offensive line some help. But a lot of that, um, Khalid Hill was the H back a lot and played in the third string. But really, I mean that's. That's just, you know, you're waiting for Jake Butt to get healthy, and, and he looks like he's closer than maybe we would have thought. I still think it looks like it's probably safe bet that he's going to be there before the start of Big Ten play, and maybe a little bit earlier. So, uh, you know, when he gets back, obviously he's the number one guy, and then Heitzman and uh, Williams are, are right there behind him.
0: And Saturday night, he was uh, in the drills uh, yep. running at full speed, cutting and everything, wasn't he?
2: Yeah, he's been in full pads uh, with the team during non-contact, you know, portions of practice. So he's out there doing everything he needs to do, uh, making cuts. Uh, everything looks fine. It's just going to be a matter of how much longer uh, before he gets cleared for contact. Uh, and then once that happens, I would expect, since he's probably in decent shape because he's able to run, once he's cleared for contact, I'd expect he be in a game pretty quick after that.
0: Well, getting back to the, uh, the unit that everyone is just so nervous about, the yeah. offensive line, do you think there was a, a starting five that uh, you said last week, Coach Hoke, probably came to the conclusion who his best five were, or did Saturday night have something to do with that?
2: Well, I think that he had what he thought was that it's his top five going in Saturday night. Now, uh, we haven't talked to him since they watched the film. Maybe that changed. I don't know. But Saturday night, the five, uh, and, and this, it, and it's important to note that it didn't shuffle. Outside of uh, Graham Glasgow was actually hurt, so they had to bring in another guy, uh, Brzezinski and Kyle shuffled shuffled in one of the guards. But it was uh, left tackle Mason Cole. Left guard, Eric Magnuson, center, Jack Miller, Graham Glasgow was the right guard, and Ben Braden was the right tackle. Uh, and that was the group that played every snap until Glasgow had tweaked the foot. Uh, that was the group that played every snap with the ones, and that didn't change. So, um, you know, what does that say? That says that I think going into Saturday, going into the last week of camp, those were his five best offensive linemen, as he saw it, uh, and that's where he was going to play them. So, uh, obviously, Graham Glasgow was going to be suspended for that first game, so that means that he would bump off that right guard spot and either Kyle Bosch or it looked like Joey Brzezinski possibly as well uh, would slide in there. Uh, and I guess the other note there would be Kyle Kalis uh, didn't really do anything in the scrimmage because of his back. Hey, he still has a sore back. Hoke had indicated earlier in the week that Kalis probably would have been that right guard um, had he not hurt his back. So uh, we'll see. Maybe he ends up getting the start if he, if he comes back and, and heals up. So, But uh, that's that's what appeared to be their top five. And, uh, you know, and Mason Cole, the true freshman, is still there at left tackle.
0: Well, moving over to the uh, the defensive side of the uh, the ball, then Nick, uh, as you mentioned, there's probably we have to keep this in mind. There's going to be a lot of rotating up front, and the good news is there's depth. I guess the bad news is a lot of it is unproven. Who do you see in that rotation? Uh, let's go too deep on that.
2: Yeah, I think it was interesting. Matt Godin and Ryan Glasgow were the two guys that came out first with the defensive tackles on, inside. But Willie Henry was the best defensive tackle on the field uh, at nose. I mean, he was they, they couldn't block him to save their life. So uh he is if he's not starting he's gonna be on the field much more than anybody else I would think at that spot. Tipkins played a lot, Chris Wormley played a lot, uh so I think those three guys are gonna get a lot of run there in the middle. Uh Frank Clark and Brandon Buyer are the two defensive ends and that's by a wide margin. Uh Henry Pogi and uh Taco Charlton got in the rotation there uh behind Byer, and Mario Ormudi is still still uh repping behind Frank Clark. So you got, you know, uh eight, nine, ten guys I think that uh that are gonna rep. Some guys will play more than others, but I think that um Marie yeah, Maurice Hurst, I forgot about him. Maurice Hurst, obviously, is, is right there as well, right alongside uh, Henry. is actually one of the best guys on the field Saturday, so he's going to play a ton as well. So I think they, they, they like what they have out of that front four, and it's going to be interesting because we'll see if they can probably kind of break through uh, and have the type of year that Michigan's wanted those guys to have. But certainly plenty of talent, and it looks like uh, – plenty of ability and, and size and speed and everything else you'd
0: want up there. Well, behind the big uglies, uh, we've got a linebacking crew that's uh, deep, and we've already talked, I think, a lot of uh, a lot of us about Jake Ryan moving mm-hmm. to the uh, Mike linebacker position. That's going to be fascinating to watch, but one of the things that surprised me uh, coming out of Saturday night's game was that uh, Joe Bolden at weak side yep. linebacker maybe ahead of Desmond Morgan right now.
2: Yeah, and uh, that, that was a Gary over from Spring as well that uh, kind of took everybody by surprise a little bit in the spring that Bolden had uh, one of the best springs anyone had had in camp uh, he was one of their best players uh, during spring ball right there, up there with Jordan Lewis and you know he's been able to carry that into the fall and he looked very very good uh, Saturday night there at the weak side spot so he was ahead of Desmond Morgan Desmond Morgan also got some runs with the starters as well but I think if you started the season Joe Bolden would be your guy uh, as that number one outside linebacker on the weak side um you know he kind of flew around the football made some big plays had a big hit uh blew up a screen at one point looked pretty comfortable so and then the other big takeaway there jake ryan looked uh very comfortable uh, in the middle uh, didn't look like he was too much of a problem at all had a big hit in the flat uh you know and and the defense in general uh, looked very very organized uh and and set and ready to go i think your middle linebacker always has a uh, has a role in that so he looks he looks comfortable james ross looks comfortable the linebackers, I thought, were the strongest group on the team coming into that scrimmage, and uh, they still are, I think, uh, as we as move out of it.
0: Well, let's move back to that secondary, and everyone was more than yep. excited to see uh, Jabril Peppers uh, in action, and he didn't disappoint, did he?
2: Nope, and uh, after months and weeks and everything else of telling us that Jabril was going to ease into uh, uh, the nickel spot, he wasn't going to be asked do much more than that, uh, we found out that's not true because he walked out there on uh, the first snap with the defense, it's the starting corner uh, opposite Jordan Lewis, and then when they went to nickel, he moved inside, played nickel, and Ray Taylor came in as the other corner. So, what that means is this Michigan has had Jabril Peppers learn two spots. They've put a bunch on his plate, they've asked him to do a lot, and from what I could gather, he had no problem with any of it. And that's uh, as good a sign as anything. You know, I'm not, We're not sitting here giving this guy a metaphorical award here yet or anything, but for a freshman with that athletic ability and that sort of physicality, uh, mentally he, is, he also appears ready to play football, and that's that's very very important and very key when you're looking at a kid that young. And that he, you know he was directing traffic a few times; he was moving guys in and out of spots in the right positions. They trusted him to blitz. Um, he looked he didn't look lost in coverage or anything like that. So he looked uh, more than capable and looked like he was certainly one of their top two corners and a guy who has earned his right to be on the field. And Jordan Lewis uh, continues to be that guy as well. Uh, I'm not sure if Blake Countess is totally healthy. Uh, I think that he's still battling that groin injury, and I I think he's also still battling some of the effects of that core surgery from that lower abdominal injury he had last year. Uh, So he continues to, I guess, uh, get himself back into health, but right now he looks like he's the odd man out there as uh, Ray Taylor comes in on that nickel spot. But in in every other base situation, it's uh, it's Peppers and uh, Jordan Lewis as your corners, and uh, they're both playing man-to-man in your face press stuff, which I know Michigan fans like, and uh, that'll continue to happen uh, for the whole season, I would imagine.
0: And the uh, free safety and strong safety positions pretty much at Jared Wilson at free, and it looks like uh, right now Jeremy Clark a bit ahead of DeMonte Thomas?
2: Yeah, Jeremy Clark was ahead of Thomas, um, and I, Delano Hill, I believe, is ahead of both of them. So I think that Michigan is still hoping he can he can come back in place. Delano Hill was in pads and did everything in the 7-on-7, sort of like Jake Butt did. Uh, he just did not clear for contact yet after having that broken jaw uh, at the end of the summer. So if Delano Hill is back and ready to play uh, by the starting uh, by the opener, I would wager that he's probably the starter at strong safety next to uh, Jared Wilson. And then it looks like Jeremy Clark and then DeMonte Thomas. So DeMonte Thomas might actually be running third uh, right there at strong safety, which is a bit surprising uh, given sort of the way that they thought of him last year, uh, the beginning of the season, and, and sort of the excitement they had about him toward the end of the year. So uh, he has some ground to make up, it appears. Uh, Jared Wilson, obviously, is very safe there. It's free safety. He's not going anywhere. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Jeremy Clark has made a jump, too. So we'll see how that plays out. That'll be an interesting... Uh, we'll see how it goes, because that'll be an interesting run there between those three guys uh, moving forward.
0: Well, Nick, let's uh, not forget the specialist, special teams guys, because they are very key uh, long-term in the season. Uh, nice to see Will Hager up back and booming him, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, there was one that went about 70 yards there, and the, and the early portion of it that he just... He, he kicked the crap out of it. <laughs> so it looked like uh, Will Hager of the Bold... And I think that's going to be really big uh, for these guys because I think field position, if you want your defense to be the bell cow for you, I think field position is going to be huge. If your offense is struggling, if Will Hagrid can get you out of some spots and maybe make some uh, offenses go a long way, uh, that could be a big deal for you. So uh, I think that's a positive for Michigan that He's back and he looks fine. Uh, Matt Wilde made all of his kicks that I saw. I didn't see him miss anything, and he looked comfortable there as a place kicker. Uh, I think Kenny Allen, they didn't really do much on kickoff, but I, I believe the plan is for Kenny Allen to be the kickoff guy. That could be something that Wilde ends up doing as well, but I think they want to get him involved. Uh, and then obviously Kenny Allen's also the holder, which is a new uh, a new wrinkle. Drew Dilley has been the holder his whole career here, so uh, they were looking for a new one there, and Kenny Allen was the guy. Shane Morris got a little bit of a uh, repster holder as well. So uh, and Then the uh, return games, obviously, Punt return is still up in the air. Uh, I think it was it was Peppers, uh, Jordan Lewis, and Janning Stribling. Also, Northfleet got some runs there. I'm not sure who's going to win that one. That's still TBD, I think. But uh, Northfleet is still the number one kick returner. Uh, he's won that, and I think that'll, that'll continue into the season.
0: Well, we have just a bit more than a week and a half uh, to go. It sounds like Coach Hoke and the staff probably have a pretty good uh, idea of who their two-deep are. Now it's just uh, go to work, and I think Wednesday the uh, App State game plan uh, gets put in, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, they'll start the early prep on on their first game there, which they typically do. Uh, they use the last few days of uh, of that first or that last week of camp obviously to get ready for App State. They'll still do, still do some camp stuff, some work on themselves, but then once the next week rolls around, it'll be a real game week. And yeah, I mean they'll they'll have to have a two deep done, I think, whether they want to or not, uh, on Wednesday or Thursday, so that they can get moving forward into. Uh, you know, getting those guys to main share of reps, getting them ready over the next, you know, 10 days, whatever it might be, before you have your First game, so uh, it is here at March, and it's just a matter of time now before the season kicks off and everything is
0: going. Well, that's exactly right. Just uh, as I mentioned earlier, a week and a half to go, so yeah. we got a peek at what we uh, might see right. on uh, Saturday. Hopefully, not what we'll see on offense, but uh, we'll find out on Labor Day weekend. So, Nick, as always, it's uh, it's it's great to have you back on as we uh, get started for this uh, 2014 campaign. Our guest today, Michigan beat writer Nick Baumgartner from M Live, and of course throughout the football season nick will be joining us and we uh, we look forward to getting you back on when the season gets underway nick sounds good mike thank you coming up next on wolverine quick hits a look at how coach john beeline and the basketball team are doing on their italian tour as we wrap it up for another week here on the michigan man podcast on gbmw go blue michigan wolverine On Wolverine Quick Hits today, the University of Michigan basketball team opened its four-game Italy exhibition tour using a 39-point first quarter and a 27-point 11-rebound performance by sophomore Zach Irvin to help the Wolverines cruise to a 99-60 victory on Sunday over the Perugia Select team at the Stella Azuria Arena. In addition to a double-double, Irvin finished the game 10-4-13 from the field including a perfect 5-for-5 from long range, with 4 assists and 2 steals. Junior Karis Lavert had 11 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, and 5 steals, while sophomore Derek Walton Jr. had 10 points, 5 boards, and 3 assists. Freshman Cameron Chapman had 12 points, 3 rebounds, and 3 assists, while freshman Muhammad Ali Abdur Rahman had 11 points, 7 boards, and 3 assists. And freshman Ricky Doyle had 12 points, going six for seven from the field with four dunks. Michigan now travels to Verona, Italy, where they will play the next two games midweek. Freshman Austin Hatch, and we all know the Austin Hatch story, saw his first action as a Wolverine playing the final three minutes of the second half in Sunday's game. DJ Wilson, Finger, and Max Bielfeld Hip, did not play. On the opening victory on U of M's Italian Exhibition Tour, Coach John Beeline said, Offensively, that first quarter was not what I was expecting. With us playing so well offensively, that led us to playing so well defensively. You don't know what to expect in games like these. The first quarter was probably a little above what I thought it would be. The last three quarters were a bit more predictable for a team on a trip like we are on. Michigan will conclude their Exhibition Tour this weekend. Don't forget to become a member here at GBM Wolverine. Our first season chat will be this Sunday evening. It's time to start chatting about and getting ready for the App State Opener. Visit www.gbmwolverine.com and sign up for free membership. Along with our weekly season chats, we have up-to-date coverage of Team 135 and the latest recruiting news. In just another week, we'll have our first staff predictions for the Big Home Opener. So stay in the Wolverine loop this season. Visit www.gbmwolverine.com and become a member today. Our show app is now available for Apple users from iTunes. Android users will find us in the App Store at Amazon.com. And we're also available from the Windows 8 App Store. If you use TuneIn Radio or Stitcher Radio on demand, you can also subscribe to the show for free. If you would rather listen on your laptop or desktop, Just visit iTunes and sign up for free weekly delivery. The season is just one week away. Make sure you listen weekly to us for the best in Michigan football podcast coverage. If you get the show from iTunes, please take a minute to review or rate the show. My listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Call anytime with your predictions for this season or any mason blue thoughts you would like to share. I would enjoy hearing from you. You can also email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. Thanks again to my guests today Wolverine and NFL great Greg Skrepanik and Michigan football beat writer Nick Baumgartner from MLive. It's hard to believe, but next week we have our App State preview show, so don't miss that. App State radio voice David Jackson will be with us to talk about the last time the Mountaineers visited the Big House and, of course, this year's App State team. We're also hoping to have Michigan radio voice Jim Branstadter join us, if his schedule permits. As we all know, he is a busy guy, uh, serving as the voice of the Lions and the Wolverines. At any rate, we'll have our ankles taped and be ready to talk about what we hope will be a great big Michigan season. So hang in there, Maize and Blue faithful. I have a feeling things will turn for the better this season. Until next week, I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Thanks again for joining me, and have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Take care, and as always, Go Blue! Thanks for listening to the Michigan Man podcast on GBMW Go Blue Michigan Wolverine. You can find us on the web at www.gbmwolverine.com. That's www.gbmwolverine.com. For audio posts or other fan feedback, please call our listener line at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Email fan feedback to the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast on GBMW Go Blue Michigan Wolverine is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan. The Michigan Man Podcast is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer.
2: Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team,